When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Our job is to look at all the position battles. For example, at receiver. You know, we've got Thielen and we've got Diggs. So how's that going to play out, the roster behind that? Uh, the offensive line with all the new additions that we added there. We've got a great competition going at the backup quarterback spot, who's going to be Kirk Cousins' backup. Got a sense of kind of where this team is, but now we actually get to see them uh, play real football, get the pads on. And I know uh, with the leadership of Coach Zimmer, uh, to get our edge back and, and uh, look forward to a very successful season. All right, we are almost there. It's <laughs> oh, almost time. Oh. It's almost football. You know what it is? You know We're what it is? so close. It's Sunday night in September and school starts tomorrow. I can smell the footballs. I can smell the pads popping. Or hear the pads. I was going to say you don't smell now, the yeah, pads. Yeah, you can. No, you smell yeah. the fu- you smell the I sweat. Can, I can see the sweat flying off of giant human beings' brows. It's beautiful. Oh, oh. I just miss Mankato. Football though. apparatuses. I miss like Giant bags. I, I miss Mankato. How about the thing that they run through that's supposed to help you not fumble? Yeah, and it's got the bungee things on it. Didn't help twenty eight. Football on a stick? No, it did not. Um, it's amazing. It's great. It's happening. Uh, tomorrow, for the first time, the rookies are getting out on a football field. And then on Friday, the whole squad, and I think by Sunday, we've got pads. Once you got pads, then it is absolutely, fully, completely What is the rule on, on that? Two days without pads? Is that it? I don't know. Two days I, I without pads? it's been two days in the past where they have the first two days, or maybe it's three without pads, and then then we get to ask Mike Zimmer, so what does it mean to have the guys back out in pads? And they're, oh, it's great, because now we can oh, yeah, really evaluate the players at Sunday, pads. Sunday, oh, Sunday, 2.10 p.m., full padded Football. practice. So great. Um, <laughs> be- before we get into some stuff uh, about camp, because I can tell you everything that you need to know. I've been working on these lists and a bunch of different things. Uh, I've got an article about Irv Smith at our free website, scorenorth.com today. I subscribed today. Totally free. Yeah, I didn't pay a dime for it. Uh, type in the promo code. Actually, there is no promo code, so it's just scorenorth.com. Um, I'm just kidding about our friends at The Athletic. Mike Sando of The Athletic, by the way, 
put out his yearly article of quarterback tier rankings. It is one of the must-read articles of the offseason. It used to be on ESPN, and now it is on The Athletic. How upset you think they are? Sando leaves ESPN, and the first thing he takes with him is one of the best things ESPN.com had going for it. It's always extremely juicy. He interviewed 55 executives on all of the quarterbacks and then ranked them by first tier, second tier, third tier, and so forth. Um, And Kirk Cousins is exactly every bit where he belongs to be as the 16th best quarterback in the NFL, according to this, according to the executives and general managers and coaches. But uh, when you just scroll through and look where your quarterback, your team's quarterback ranks, don't scroll by the words because the quotes in this thing are always super juicy. It's all off the record. Mike Sando has worked for years to build relationships with all these coaches and executives and general managers. And the Kirk Cousins quotes, there are three of them, and all three make you go, oh, okay. So the first one is from a general manager who says, quote, The world is going to pick Kirk Cousins over Case Keenum, but both are system guys to me. I get concerned with Kirk when it counts. That's quote number one. Quote number two, mm-hmm. my favorite of the three. Mm-hmm. He can throw the ball, and I think he's good, an executive said. I question his makeup a little bit. I'd probably leave him as a second tier, but he has an innate ability to get everybody pissed at him. <laughs> Kubiak will be great for him. Said Matthew Collar. He's the... He's the master of simplifying the complex. Now, I'd like to just point out, if you tweeted me about being a hater or something, from all the conversations we've had about Kirk Cousins and inside the locker room and his relationships with other players and coaches and how things work out, I would just point you to that quote that even an executive from some other team has taken notice of how this works, where people get mad at Kirk Cousins. Uh, no, they don't because they're <laughs> pissed at him. Uh, but I, I could explain to this anonymous executive exactly how it happens, but um, we'll just move on from that. We've talked about <laughs> my guess is he works for the Bears and was that last year's season ender. <laughs> that would tip you off a little bit or his teammates in 2017 saying that he was more focused on his contract than his team or whatever the quote was from D'Angelo Hall. Yep. Um, but anyway, the, the third quote is interesting, too, because of the way that it's laid out by Mike Sando. Good guy, smart, throws the ball, uh, throws a good ball, knows how to get people lined up. But when there are 30 seconds to go in a game and you need a guy to make a play, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Nothing funny about that, Rick. No, there you have. All of that is, as far as you know, or have told me, or we have both seen, a thousand percent on, though. All of it is correct. It's not savage. Yes. All of it's correct. No, it's not going like out of your way to be yeah. uh, too harsh about Kirk Cousins, because every one of these executives acknowledges something important, that Kirk Cousins is very good at football. Yes. He is very good at throwing the ball. He knows the game extremely well. You're not going to find anybody who outworks Kirk Cousins or understands how plays uh, work against defenses or reads or anything else like that. It's always been this sort of intangible stuff that comes up when he goes 8-8 eight and eight every year that you end up talking about him like this. Like, is he really the guy who can make the play when you need to make the big play? Or do most of those yards come when you're down? Last year, he was second in the NFL, second most yards when losing by two scores. Mm-hmm. And I think that the other teams around the league have seen quite a bit of this. And he's ranked as a third-tier quarterback. 
Where in the third tier is he? He is at the top of the third tier. I believe he is the second third tier quarterback. Who is the first? Cam Newton is the first third tier quarterback. Okay. So Cam Newton is 15th and Kirk Cousins is 16th right ahead of Dak Prescott. He is also ahead of Nick Foles. I mean, some of that makes sense. Jimmy Garoppolo. He is ahead of Derek Carr. I mean, these are right where I would put him in that same ballpark. As someone like okay. Derek Carr, Nick Foles is, I think, is much harder to figure out. Of the list you just gave me, I, I think I could make a coherent case that three or four of those names could easily change. They could go way up or way down. I honestly do not believe that in however much longer he plays this game, Kirk Cousins will ever move more than two spots up or two spots down. I think this is. I think that ranking is him. I totally agree. And Kirk Cousins' consistency throughout his career is kind of remarkable, actually. I mean, you look at his pro football focus grades, which I think give you a good idea of how he has just thrown the ball. Like, is he executing the throws? Is he making accurate throws? Because that's what they're really grading here. They're not necessarily grading, uh, you know, situations, two minute drills, and things like that. They don't weigh the grades. It's just how well did you throw the ball? And his grades are between 70 and 80, which is right in a, in that, in that solid, good range where one year he just cracked the top 10 by a little bit, 2016. All the other years he's been somewhere between, I think, 17th and 14th. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly who Kirk Cousins is. He's incredibly consistent at being Kirk Cousins. And when they signed him, something that this got me thinking about was, now, what is he compared to 2017 Case Keenum? Because the the one executive says, you know, he and Case Keenum are both system guys. And I, I would agree with that for, for both of uh, those quarterbacks. They both need a lot of play action. They both need a lot of help. And so I looked at Case Keenum's 2017 season and compared an average Kirk Cousins season over the last four years. Now, there's more yards because Keenum didn't play all the games. So, uh, you know, okay, Kirk Cousins, Cousins always has. Gotcha. He throws for more yards, but let's not worry about that. Sure. Everything else, the average Kirk Cousins season is pretty much exactly what Case Keenum was in 2017. Now, they want better quarterback play right. than they had in 2017, but you're probably not getting it. I mean, the, the average, in fact, the average PFF grade for Kirk Cousins over the last four years is lower than Case Keenum's was in 2017, the QBR is lower, which grades with situation. And here's the crazy stat, though, about 2017 case against Kirk Cousins is Case Keenum only lost 136 yards to sacks in 2017 mm-hmm. when he, did, by the way, did not have a great offensive line, but could move around in the pocket. Right. Yeah. So he only lost 136 yards. What's that? A handful of yards per game. Yep. Kirk Cousins averages losing 245 yards per 16 games. Mm-hmm. And last year, he lost 262. I mean, that that's a lot but of garbage that you're giving up by getting sacked. In 2017, Case Keenum was a fantastic scrambler. Yes. He was great at that. Now, now he, here's the problem. I agree with the Vikings' feeling that Keenum was not going to ever again nor will he repeat the the magic of that year. But the problem was, Cousins was never as good as they thought. So you're stuck. You're stuck because you you thought... The, I think the Vikings got a better quarterback as far as who he is as a person and quarterback because Keenum's 
one year was off the charts. Right. Not to Correct. be not to be repeated. The problem was that year was so special that what they saw that year from Case is probably best case what Cousins can give you. Right. So interestingly, the Kirk Cousins average quarterback rating for the last four years is ninety eight point one. And Case Keenum's was ninety eight point three in two thousand seventeen. So so the only real difference between these two guys in terms of your average Kirk season and your great Case Keenum season is that Keenum had that extra special element to his game, which was required to win a lot of those games in 2017. They played a lot of close games, and I went back and looked for it. Mike Zimmer said something at the end of your press conference about finishing games. Well, we really finished games the year before. We came through in bigger situations. He said that in 2018? He said this at the end of the 2018 okay. season. All right. That that was the difference. That in 2017, sure. they had come through in the big games, the big situations, and finished games. And in 2019, they didn't. And think about 2017. You had that game in Atlanta where they were able to pull off a win. I think they got a key drive where they went ahead late and then they held on to the lead. There was the game in Chicago that kind of turned that entire season where they um, have a drive from Case Keenum that that kind of wins them the game. And I think Keenum had like a key 20-yard run, and you remember that. So so it's accurate that they just didn't have those special moments from Kirk Cousins, even though he wasn't that different of a quarterback on paper by all of his numbers, by his PFF grade, by his yards, his touchdowns, his quarterback rating, all those things that it wasn't much different. It was, how did he play in those certain situations in comparison? And that's the one thing that all these executives are questioning about him. No one is saying that he is not a good quarterback or that he's very talented. It's just, can he make things like that happen? But read those quotes again, and as you do, go through them and ask yourself, how many of these things change about people? Yeah, no, when he says he's a system quarterback, um, he has the innate ability to piss everyone off. Yeah, that doesn't, that's a person. That's, that's you don't, you might change that for a week or two weeks. Yep, that's You not don't changing. change that for a lifetime or a career. I do have a theory on that, though. Um, have you ever had. Well, Thielen just doesn't run, run, run the right routes yeah, all the time, I'm and you sure got to show him what he's doing wrong. Well, here's my theory, though. You ever had a friend that is really aloof, and you make plans, and they don't come through, or. They don't show up on time or anything like I that. You have no idea what you're talking you've, about. You, but you've had friends yes. like that in your life, right? Yeah. The first time somebody does that to you, yep. you're mad at them. Like, well, what is your problem? We made plans for 1.30 and you showed up at 1.50 and then we, I don't know, whatever. We're late. Yep. By the third or fourth time, you've kind of got it. You kind of know. You kind of plan for it. You, you think, okay, I better, should, I better tell them to show up at 1 right. if I want them there at 1.30 because now I am prepared for what I'm facing here. I think Kirk Cousins' personality might be kind of similar with this locker room. That coming off of Case Keenum and Teddy Bridgewater, they might have been surprised about his personality, being as unique as he is. Yep. And this year, no one's going to be surprised. They know exactly what but they've I got, got. But I got the flaw there. There's a flaw there. The scenario that you just went through, that person's never your best friend. They're an ancillary yeah, friend, that's right? True. Yeah, that's the true. The quarterback has to be your best friend. If this guy, if this joker is a uh, defensive end, all right, I get it. Don't like it. I get it. But when you're talking about a linchpin position in all sports, how do you get past that? Yeah, that's because true. it's always because if that person is your best friend, eventually you're going to get exasperated and just say, "I'm done with you." 
Yeah, I think I'm just trying to... On the EVA training camp, you're trying to paint a picture that might be happy. No, no, I'm more, more or less trying to look at it as how are they going to adapt to what they have now here at quarterback? Because last year, everything was new. Can I give so, you my well, two, two cents of, on that? Part of that is adapting the scheme, but I think the other part of it is changing how the rest of the team looks at him. Here's my two cents. And, and this goes beyond playing the sport itself. Because I've been wondering all, all summer and springtime long, what are they doing exactly? Like Griffin, you brought him back. Why'd you bring him back? Barr, he was out the door. And you like went to great lengths when he called you crying to bring him back. I think I got it. I think Zim went to Spielman and said, Rick, this is going to be our last chance. Let's go back to what we know. Let's build this thing, bring all my guys back. And if we're and if we go out, if I'm going to go down swinging, I'm going to do it with the defense at the forefront again. Because if right. you recall a year ago, we were all thinking, "Oh my gosh, this offense is going to be different and it's going to be oh, this offense is now going to be perhaps on a par with this defense." And and we convinced ourselves, you know, Dalvin Cook and Kirk Cousins and Diggs, Thielen, blah blah blah. And now I think it's like, "All right, offense, you are a very important complementary piece, but you're complementary again." We're going to go down swinging with defense, which it should be, with defense as our calling card. That's my two cents. Yep, and I'm working on an article now to run later this week about how they're essentially chasing 2017 and and, and the ghost of that and thinking about how they got there with the number 1 defense, and I totally agree. Um, But what's interesting about Kirk Cousins is that he's going to be exactly him. He's going to give you exactly what you know he's going to give you mm-hmm. for better or for worse. And it's how everything else goes that will determine whether you win or not. So in this article, I made a list of all the things that went wrong for them last year. And once you write it on paper, it's like, wow, that was a lot. Like a lot went wrong for you last year. Not just Tony Sperano passing away, but a lot more than that. I mean, the the kicking and the injury uh, to Nick Easton and the injury to Mike Hughes and the other two corners are injured at times too and on, and on and on and on that they had a lot of things just go against them so this year the weird place to be in is you're going to be determined by what goes right and what goes wrong for you with health in a lot of ways because you know that and then luck and field goals and things like that because you know your defense is going to be good you know Kirk is going to be Kirk and the rest is kind of up to God <laughs> that's, well, that's injuries, a, it's, a, yeah. it's an odd position to be in, you know? So, all right, well, we got to take a break because Brandon Thorne from the Trench Warfare podcast is coming up next. And Minnesota Vikings rookie Garrett Bradbury was in attendance for the O-Line Masterminds Conference. That's right. It gets no more football than this. There's one day before camp. It's on Joe. Bravo or something? It's coming uh, up on Bravo? Coming up on Bravo, O-Line Masterminds. We talk about it. <laughs> With Brandon Thorne, I just discovered that Brandon is in the background of the video. ESPN covered it, and there's a video that they have of the offensive line. i got to hear about this thing. And he's in the background. So we will talk about that as well, how offensive linemen are fighting back against amazing defense. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. 
what you want to see, especially on the defensive side, some of these young guys that we drafted last year, they may have not have contributed as much to the team last year as they were developing, but this year is usually when you see the big jump in them. Uh, Hercules is an example of a guy who missed last year with an ACL but has really shown up during the OTAs. And can he carve out a spot or can he carve out his niche on this roster to help us uh, win football games? That is General Manager Rick Spielman on Vikings.com. Matthew Collar, Judd Zolgad back here on Purple Daily and now joining us on the show. One of our favorite guests. It's been a little while. He does the Trench Warfare podcast, one of my favorite listens, and was also a part of the O-Line Masterminds Conference of Offensive Linemen. Brandon Thorne, does it get any more football than that, my friend? No, I don't think so. It was uh, it was 100% football, man. It was uh, a memorable experience and a lot of fun. Uh, Brandon, are you aware that your face shows up in a video on ESPN? Jordan Renan covered it, and he took a little video of a bunch of giant men showing each other techniques, and you're over there typing on your cell phone. So there is proof, there's video proof that you were right there. Explain how you helped these large gentlemen um, become better at being offensive linemen, because Garrett Bradbury was a part of this, the Vikings' first-round draft pick. And I think it's really fascinating that all these linemen get together in Frisco, Texas, and just talk about how to stop amazing defensive linemen from beating them. Yeah, so a good example of kind of my role there was in that video, actually, when I was on my cell phone, I was searching for exactly what Jensen was explaining. And in that clip, he was talking about as a center, defensive linemen really want to attack the hand that you snap the ball with. And he was kind of explaining to the young guys some of his techniques and you know thought processes of avoiding that. Um, so I was pulling up clips of Jensen doing exactly that. And that's kind of what I did on the field was well, I'd go to different groups like center guards, tackles. We split up in that, in that fashion. And I would go to each group and just kind of listen in on what they were talking about and then pull up videos of them executing exactly that. And then the players would kind of gather around and see it on film. So that I think, you know, had a little bit of value to them. And, but my predominant role there was to gather all the film of the pass rushers that we were studying. And we began each day in the classroom. And uh, that's kind of what kicked off the discussions was we would watch film on what the best pass rushers in the league would do um, as far as their top pass rush moves. And then I would also, I also included best practices as far as like, you know, the players that had success against these moves and what it looks like and what techniques they used. So that was really cool to be able to just put those videos together and, study all the top pass rushers in the league really um so that's that's kind of what i did there but um yeah it was just overall i mean just the knowledge and everything that was being shared in those in the classroom especially was incredible it was just kind of an open forum of all guys just all the all the players there pro in college um just kind of putting giving their input on how to stop different players and how to have success at the position and and just how to handle coaching and i mean just just a ton of really valuable stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, overall, it was it was just a, a great experience, and I, I took a lot of notes. So it was it was awesome. I bet. So what, right now, which which two or three moves are are the most difficult for these guys to stop? As far as just you know, we see guys certainly and some great guys who rush introducing moves. Which ones have become the most difficult to defend against if you are on the O line? 
So I think the, the main one is something called the cross chop move. And you see it from guys like, well, Aaron Donald, Von Miller, uh, Demarcus Lawrence, Yannick Ngakwe, um, and a variety of others. I mean, it's really, it's kind of taken the league over in a lot of ways because most rushers are trying to incorporate this somehow. DeForest Buckner is another one, um, where it's essentially when you, you're attacking the outside hand of an offensive lineman with your inside hand. So you're coming across with that inside hand and trying to chop down his outside hand. And it really allows you to get around his edge really quickly if you could time it up just right. So it's really a move like predicated on timing and quickness more than anything. And there's some guys that do it at a really high level. And we talked a lot about it because it's, it's, it's really difficult to stop. But um, there's, there's a couple different ways to go about doing it. So, Brandon, I'm not, I'm not sure how much of a chance that you got to be uh, around uh, Garrett Bradbury, but my impression of him is that he's extremely serious about his craft. He's a guy that when he's up at the podium, you're not exactly like cracking jokes and he's happy to see everyone or whatever. He seems to be even at the podium when he's talking, very focused on being an NFL center. So tell me what you noticed from uh, Garrett Bradbury and I guess what it says about a young NFL player who wants to be there learning from all these other guys. Yeah, I think you really you know, hit the nail on the head there because that's something that I noticed about Bradbury. He was very serious about about his approach there, um, just very dialed in and focused. And, you know, he was taking notes, uh, just really listening more than anything. He didn't really say much at all, um, which, you know, a lot of the young guys didn't. They were all there just kind of soaking it all up. Um, and then we, when we went to the field, of course, you know, he would become a lot more engaged with, you know, somebody like Ryan Jensen, uh, who was kind of the veteran center there. But, but him and Eric McCoy, you know, you could tell that they both kind of had that similar approach. But, but yeah, I mean, Bradbury looked great too. I mean, he's in, he looks like he's in phenomenal shape and he doesn't really look like sort of like an, you would think an offensive lineman looks like he's just, he doesn't really have a lot of, and you know, it's kind of a common trend, but usually interior guys, you know, they don't have, they usually have a little bit more weight on them than, uh, than, than Bradbury does. It just looks like he's very lean and that, that's not necessarily a, ne- a negative thing. He just looks like he's in phenomenal shape and he looks like an athlete, you know, so it, that really jumped out to me. Just, just how he, his body type, um, just looks very athletic and strong, um, but yeah, just uh, as far as his demeanor and his approach and stuff like that, it was it was impressive. I mean, you know, he, there's not much more to say. I, I think he's really approaching everything the right way. So, how tough is it going to be? And what's the ask like to take a kid just drafted now, step in day one, and start? Yeah, I think it's as tough, if not tougher, for offensive line than really any other position, just because the. The transition, depending on what school you come from and the level of competition you faced and how much experience you have, it's, there's differing levels of how difficult it is. But just generally, I think, you know, the level of competition, even if you are like an SEC player or somebody who faces really good competition, it's still a significant jump, um, especially right now in the NFL with the caliber of defensive linemen that you see, especially on the interior. It's just extremely high, and there's really no weeks off. Not that there is in the NFL in general, but especially for, I think, interior offensive linemen. Um, but, you know, I think Bradbury, he's going into that, the ideal position for him as far as scheme. 
uh, his bread and butter and what he really what got him drafted as high as he did and what allowed him to win the Remington and stuff like that was his his ability to run block in outside zone. And that's kind of like what makes him such a, a great prospect, what made him such a great prospect. So that's really, I think that's Gary Kubiak um, to a T. That's, that's how he sets up an offense. And uh, I, I'm pretty sure that's probably what the Vikings are going to rely on more than anything else, which is really going to allow him, I think, to hit the ground running and to kind of, you know, not really have as difficult of a transition as it could be if he were to go to a different scheme. Talking with Brandon Thorne. He does the Trench Warfare podcast. Also just recently added to the Athletic Denver to do film analysis. So congratulations to you, uh, Brandon, on that. I was just listening to the Trench Warfare podcast with Willie Anderson when you interviewed him. And he was as good of a guest as you've ever had. So uh, I implore people to go because it's not just talking technique, but also the stories that are kind of behind these guys and how they became great players. So uh, Trench Warfare podcast. Anyway, um, Brian O'Neill is an interesting one to me, Brandon, because I think that a lot of the Vikings' success on offense rests on whether he becomes uh, a complete right tackle this year, that he takes his game up to another level. Last year showed some promise, but also got driven back into the quarterback way too many times. So if, let's say, Brian O'Neill grows big time, and we're talking about, oh, this is a guy you want on your team for a long time, what will he have had to do to get there like this year? Yeah. So I think the, the first thing is what you kind of, what you mentioned is he has to get stronger, uh, just add functional strength on the field and certain tech technical things as well, as far as transitioning into his anchor as a pass protector, kind of going from getting to his landmark or his set point and then transitioning into that anchor. I think that process there can really be refined for him because uh, he really struggled to do that. And it kind of, you know, goes hand in hand with being strong, but also kind of getting that technique down. So I think anchoring and play strength are really the two biggest things for him. Because like you mentioned, I think he, he he looked better than I thought he was going to look being thrown into the fire the way he was. I thought, you know, ideally he's somebody you wanted to kind of keep, you know, waiting in the wings for a year uh, before you put him in. But I, I thought, you know, he was pretty impressive given, you know, he, that he was a pretty raw prospect um, with a lot of upside. But I think we started to see a little bit of that. Um, and, uh, you know, again, with uh, with Bradbury, I think that this scheme fit for him is, is really – it's going to be a blessing to him, honestly, because, I mean, you want a guy like that to use his athletic ability, to use his quickness, um, to, to, to reach guys, you know, in the zone run game and get around guys and then also have the opportunity to get into space. Um, those things, I think, really fit, you know, what he, what his strengths are. So I think we'll be able to see a little bit more of why the Vikings, you know, valued him the way that they did because you really want him in a, in a scheme like this one. So I think, uh, this, this, this is going to be a good opportunity for him to, rely more so on his strengths than he did last year. And then hopefully as a pass protector, he can kind of get those other things shored up a little bit. Okay, Brandon. So tell me before I let you go, what is the best case scenario for the Vikings offensive line in terms of how good could they be? Where could they rank if everything goes right? If Garrett Bradbury makes the transition well to the NFL, if Pat Elfline uh, moves over to guard and plays better than he did at center last season, if Brian O'Neill takes a step forward, are we talking about a line that could be 
way better than last year, a little bit better than last year, or still struggle quite a bit? Uh, I mean, I think they could be way better than last year. If we want to say that last year they were a bottom two or three unit in the league, I think going into this year, I actually just did offensive line rankings uh, for for a site called Establish the Run, run by Evan Silva and, and a couple other guys. Um, and I had the Vikings coming in, in in the average tier, so somewhere in the you know 20 to 22 range, 23 range. So I think that coming into the year, I'm I'm kind of a little bit, I don't know you know what the general consensus is on them, but coming into the year, that's how I see them. So I feel like I'm kind of high on them, um, just because I, I really think that the the scheme that's going to be implemented here is a really good fit for the guys we mentioned as well as Elfline. Um, so I think that, you know, they, they are going to, I think that they upgraded three positions really, you know, left guard center and, um, uh, you know, right guard has a chance to be better as well. Um, Klein wasn't great last year, um, but he's a guy who started 32 straight games for the Titans. So he at least has some sort of reliability there, but Drew Samia is a guy I think that has a chance of playing this year. Um, so you, you could potentially really have three better better guys on the offensive line there as well as being a better fit for them. So, yeah, I mean, I think best case you can maybe get into that 18-19 range, but uh, I'm kind of, you know, playing a little bit safe to me, but I still think it's an improvement in that 20 to 22 range. If they're uh, average, I think the Vikings fans will carry them down uh, downtown Minneapolis, like parade style, if they're <laughs> even average compared to the last few years. Uh, Brandon, awesome stuff. As always, you could follow Brandon Thorne on Twitter at Brandon Thorne, T-H-R-N, NFL. Brandon Thorne, NFL, the place to find. And on iTunes, the Trench Warfare Podcast. Brandon, always great to catch up with you, man. Thanks for your time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yep, for sure. That's uh, Brandon Thorne, one of my favorite people, one of the best. We always catch up with him, and a really unique dude. I mean... What was the technique? The cross-drop move? Is that right? It's a chop. Okay, so it's a chop. Okay, cross-chop. So you chop the guy's hand. You see Aaron Donald do it all the time. That's great. Football. That's a great camp. Brandon is one of the most detailed people that I've ever run into, and it's awesome. Why don't these guys gather in a more desirable area? I think it's because the guy who started it, his name is Duke Manyweather, and he's a trainer for offensive linemen, and that's where he is. Okay, all right, so so they're just going to him. Yeah, he's got a facility and everything, and I think that they all come down to I was just curious if there was, okay, that makes sense then, because I thought to myself, that doesn't make, these guys are still pretty well to do. They're making plenty of money. That's right. Well, they're trying to get away from the distractions, Chad. Um, (laughs) Let's take a quick break, and I want you to just ask me. Time for the Score North download here. With Sheldon Richardson gone, the Vikings will be looking for new help on the inside of the defensive line, and it seems like the Vikings have trust in one guy who's returning after a year in Seattle. That'd be Shamar Stefan, defensive line coach Andre Patterson, saying this on on Vikings.com when previewing the defensive line. Real deal. This guy is for real. And it's a great thing that we have him back on our football team. Shamar makes all the guys around him better. And he was a big reason why we had the number one defense in the league the year before. Because what Shamar does is he makes 
Anthony Barr better. He makes Eric Kendricks better. He makes Limbo Joseph better because he's going to be where he's supposed to be. He's going to play it great technique, and he frees those guys up. This guy is one of the best in the league at doing his job. I am so glad that we have him back. The day he walked back in this building, he made our defense better. Your thoughts, Vikings fans? Is Shamar Stephan the answer on the inside of that defensive line? I'm wondering what Matthew Collar thinks about that based on his reactions here. What? I'm ready to go. <laughs> I mean, look. Football. Look, that's your score. Look, I, now back to I like Daily. Shamar Stephan, okay? I mean, I think that he does his job, and he's a <laughs> solid player that you could throw in there for 30% of the snaps, and he's going to... Stuff the run. He's a big, strong guy, and it seems like everybody likes him. <laughs> Football! Were, were they just talking about what was the music? Reggie White? What was the I music? Was that Lawrence Taylor they were breaking down there, or Shamar <laughs> Stefan? Can you play some of that again? Yeah. Here you go. Shamar Stefan is, is the real deal. This guy is real, and it's a great thing that we have him back on our football team. Shamar makes all the guys around him better. Better. And he was a big reason why we had the number one defense in the league the year before. Because what Shamar does is he makes Anthony Barr better. He makes Eric Kendricks better. He makes Limbo Joseph better. Okay, okay. I I gotta tell you, all right. Andre Patterson is a amazing defensive line coach. Okay, I mean, they, these guys, you talk to these guys, they just love Andre Patterson more than you love anyone in your life. All right? They will talk about him endlessly, how much he's meant to all their careers. Daniil Hunter went from a third-round pick who's a raw prospect to a superstar in the NFL. Everson Griffin has gotten better. Linval Joseph is even better than he used to be in New York. He's even better. Everyone has gotten better. It's amazing. But Shabar Stefan makes Anthony Barr better? Like, what? I, I'm i amazed that Vikings.com <laughs> didn't have him saying, yeah, we signed him, but he's not really that good. I'm not quite sure why. I'm going to miss the guys. You know who I'm gonna, really going to miss? Sheldon Richardson. I was going to say, they let sh- him go last year to sign Sheldon Richardson, and move. they brought him back when they had enough money. Uh, let me check here. I want to see how many snaps he even played in 2017. I remember... Maybe he got hurt toward the end of the year. He played over 50% of snaps a handful of games. And that's about it for Shamar Stefan. Uh, it doesn't have the exact... He only played 384 defensive snaps. How many do they usually play in a year? Like 1,100? I want you to confront the Vikings.com people tomorrow and <laughs> okay. say, like, stop with this. It's it's fine. It's all right. But it's that season, isn't it? I mean, and I'm the person Wait for who tomorrow. will say, Wait for I will tomorrow. say to you, I will say to you, David Morgan, man, like this guy can really help you uh, in the play action, in the run game, because he's a great blocker. C.J. Ham, he's pretty quick for a fullback. Watch out for him out of the backfield every once in a while. But... Hey, your guy Spielman Man. talks tomorrow. You just wait. Makes Anthony you're gonna, Barr better. You're going to leave Egan tomorrow convinced that they are in the Super Bowl. That's, wow. That's a lot. You're welcome. That's a lot of quote right there. Um, okay, anyway, so. You want me to ask you questions about training camp? <laughs> yeah, I do. Supposedly. Because I got questions. Uh, by the way, allegedly, Adam yeah. Schefter is coming on at 3.15 onto the show. I believe we it when I hear rebooked it. rebooked him from last week. How's that sound? And uh, he's very excited about Buffalo Wild Wings, I'm told. So, well, who isn't? 
Except for you, because you are a I, I, you're a wing snob. The national chain is different. I, I am a big Buffalo Wild Wings fan. Uh, <laughs> here's my first training camp question for you. Sponsorship availability is open. Yeah. Brought to you by Pick Your Endorser. Nothing here. currently. But. Brought, <laughs> brought to you. I'm going to make one up. Here are here's Judd's six pack of training camp questions oh, great, to Matthew yeah. Collar, sponsored by Surly. All right, so here's my here's my first question, and the, and these are not going to be run of the mill. Who do you expect to have a good camp? Questions. Okay. What storyline is going to be played up at training camp that's going to turn out to be complete BS? Oh, uh, easy answer. Uh, wide receiver three. I mean, I, I did the numbers on this and looked through. Um, there was a website that covers the Broncos that looked through all the receptions for third wide receivers in Gary Kubiak's offenses, and you've never heard of most of the wide receivers. There's a reason why they didn't go out and spend a bunch of money on another wide receiver. Now, I wanted them to because my question would be, so if Adam Thielen goes down for six weeks for whatever reason, who's playing? Sure. Um, that, to me, is is quite a big issue, but... Aside from that, usually the number three wide receiver for a Gary Kubiak offense catches somewhere between 20 and 30 passes. And if it's Jordan Taylor or Laquan Treadwell or Chad Beebe or some combination of all of them, um, that'll probably do the job. They're going to want two tight ends in the game a lot. And even if Irv Smith struggles a bit, David Morgan, they drafted Tyler Conklin last year, and Mike Zimmer threw out a don't sleep on Tyler Conklin, at, as one does at uh, minicamp. Oh, what? So, I'm sorry, what? I, I think that I just that's... just woke up. I was sleeping I know, on Tyler Conklin. I, I think that that's it. Don't I, sleep on I, I Tyler think we're going to obsess over who is winning the wide receiver three, and then when we look at the stats at the end of the season, it's going to be the third wide receiver had 28 catches. All right, question two. What cut don't we see coming? There's always at least one. Sometimes it's early, too. But what cut don't we see coming? That's a good question. At scorenorth.com, our free website. Um, I'm sorry, what website is that again? It's uh, the free website, scorenorth.com. Well, you don't have to subscribe or anything. All you do is just type it in, and then you can read all the articles for free. So, uh, anyway, I, I did a 53-man roster projection, and... I mean, I, I don't know. I, I didn't have any, like, sh- super shocking cuts. I know that last year, uh, B-Rob getting cut was a bit of a surprise. Mm-hmm. And Terrence Newman retiring. Those two things kind of happened at once. Mm-hmm. And I think it threw the locker room for a little bit of a loop. But I'm I'm struggling. There's, there's usually one. I'm not sure who it is. I mean, I, I wouldn't. I mean, could it be like Jaleel Johnson, but is that some sort of real surprise? I mean, no, I In mean, Zim's world, it usually, might be. Yeah, I mean, usually you're thinking about players who are veterans or something like that. I, I think the only possible thing that could happen that would be truly stunning mm-hmm. that is in the realm of possibility is Trey Wayne's being moved. But I would be, again, super shocked if that happened. I just can't see it. Is Treadwell being cut a surprise? No, I don't think it is. I mean, after three years of complete ineptitude, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be surprising at all. I, I, maybe that's the guy that you'd be talking about. But aside I mean, from that... It, it would be a big story. It would not be a surprise. No. And, and they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. There's a number of guys who could beat him out. On my 53-man roster, I don't have him. I have four tight ends, and I have only five wide receivers. Dylan Mitchell, Jordan Taylor, Chad Beebe are the other guys that I have as wide receivers. Which, hmm. that could be... Uh, you know, different because of special teams and things like that. They might keep a sixth wide receiver, but that's how I've got it going right now. 
What player is going to have a good enough training camp that come opening day they get substantial playing time that we're not talking about right now? Are we talking about Chad Beebe or not? Uh, well, he'd be wide receiver three, and, and you just told me that that guy's really not going to play a big role, so pick somebody else. Mm. Pick another position. Okay, so that would have been... And it could be on defense. ...part of my choice. Well, okay, uh, are we talking about Stephen Weatherly or not? Uh, no, because I think he's going to play. And if Griffin if Griffin comes back and plays like I expect, I think he's going to play more than we're talking about. Uh, okay, then I think that Stephen Weatherly will get a good amount of time. Okay. Because if you go back and look at 2017, how they used B-Rob, B-Rob was not a starter at that time, but he still ended up playing, I think, above 50% of snaps in 2017 because he was used in a rotational role, in a third-down rushing role. And Stephen Weatherly has uh, the ability to play linebacker if you need him to. And I I don't mean play him at linebacker necessarily, but I mean that in college he did. So you can drop him back in coverage, and he's going to be able to do that. You can use him for zone blitz type stuff where you uh, have somebody on the defensive line drop back into coverage after looking like they're going to rush. But in order to do that, you better have somebody who can drop back into coverage capably. So I I think Stephen Weatherly comes out of this with a fairly significant role on this team. The other guy I would pick that is way down the like dark horse for has a significant role that came out as a surprise would be J. Ron Curse. I mean, last year there was a little talk about the big nickel and, and that sort of thing. I like the big nickel. I like the big nickel as well. Use him at the nickel cornerback and, yep. um, you know, then you uh, linebacker rush the passer sometimes. Take a linebacker off again. Right, right, like exactly. This. Uh but I, I think it will be used more. He he didn't use that a ton last year. I think they will this time around. Will Anthony Barr be used in training camp like he will in the season, or will we get fooled again by how he's deployed in training camp practices? Uh, I think we'll get fooled again. I mean, at some point, Anthony Barr, well, maybe he's done with this because he's happy he's got his money in his contract and he's here in Minnesota, which apparently he loved way more than I thought he did. Um <laughs> Yes, all of us. If you had asked me a year ago, what are the odds Anthony Barr is here this year, I would have said like 4%. I don't want to be in New Jersey. I like New yeah. York, but I don't want to be in New Jersey. Man. I know. Uh, you could have been right next to the IZOD Center. Remember that? Remember the IZOD Center is where the New Jersey Nets used to play? Just, no. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But I used to love when, the Mar- Meadowlands when right by there. Marv Elbert would welcome you to the IZOD Center. Anyway, it doesn't Brendan matter. Brendan Byrne Arena, yeah. But uh, Anthony Barr, I think this time around, will not give us some BS about how he's going to be used. I think if he's asked, hey, do you still want to rush the passer more? He's going to say, well, I'm going to do whatever uh, Mike wants me to do because I got my money and I am happy now. All right. Xavier Rhodes. What type of camp do you expect him to have? And if it's a good one, do you think that translates into a better season than what we saw from him in 2018? Well, we already saw him being Limpy McLimperson in uh, minicamp. Sure. It was, you know, whatever. Pulled something, dinged something up. And at one point last year, Mike Zimmer is openly making fun of how injured Xavier Rhodes is all the time. And then that went was, and talked to him about him in March as well. Yes, and said he yeah. better play up to his contract, yes. which was really interesting to hear. That being said, and also Xavier Rhodes favoriting tweets that he needed to get out of Minnesota because Mike Zimmer was being unfair to him. That was also interesting. Uh, I say that Xavier Rhodes is probably going to be very similar to the version of Xavier Rhodes that we saw last year. That the best version of Xavier Rhodes we will have ever seen is 2017. And last year, um, he struggled a lot because of the injuries, but I don't think it's going away with a guy who's his age and his size. He's extremely large for a cornerback, and 
I looked up other corners who were of his size and athletic ability, what they did later in their careers, and there's almost always a fall-off. Some guys last longer than others, but we kind of forget that at about this age, Darrell Revis was just about to go off the edge of a cliff yeah. for being a, a good corner anymore. And, yep. and I think Rhodes will still be good, but whether he can be the true shutdown elite, et cetera, et cetera, that, that's going to take a fully healthy season and a fully healthy camp in order for him to be able to do that. And finally, question six. Okay. About training camp. The six pack concludes with this question. What story will be written by everyone in training camp, but you will refuse to write it knowing that it's absolute BS. I I know what you're setting me up for. You're setting me up for Laquan Treadwell because that's been done though. Yeah, no, no, I'm I'm not trying to set you up. I'm trying. Mm. I'm asking you what is, Give me, aside from Laquan, and I don't think people will write that. I don't think, what story are people going to buy that you will run away from? I think Treadwell's done. I I think people, I don't think unless it's a national outlet, people get fooled again. Not local. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I mean, it's just been a couple of times that we've already heard. But what story will you run from? Hmm. That's going to become, that's going to excite people, but you know that it'll just let them down. Well, maybe the wide receiver three thing is probably what I would, be talking about but maybe the the one that's gonna drive me crazy is the backup quarterback battle the my, sean man the your lost son kyle sloter yeah jake browning and they're <laughs> jake that's a good one jake they're, browning they're, big they're arm the, that's a good one there are the <laughs> extreme kyle sloter believers yeah, and truther. it's eh, I'm a slaughter truther. It's it's one of those things that every market has. Yeah. Every NFL team has is a number three quarterback that everyone believes is way better than he actually is. And hey, I wouldn't be completely shocked if Kyle Slaughter won the backup job because Sean Mannion. Uh, I think Sean Mannion knows the game really well. He's actually been in football games. He was behind Sean McVay or behind uh, Jared Goff with Sean McVay in Los Angeles, so they probably want him to be around. I think. But that backup quarterback battle, here's the thing. If Kirk Cousins goes down 4-12, and 12, all right, that's what you're going. You're going 4-12. and 12. This is the Vikings' worst backup QB, you think, since uh, Sean Hill? I think Sean Hill's better than both of these well, guys. He could, it's not even close. But he couldn't move. The, the year that Teddy went down, Sean Hill could no longer. He was on the injured list after not getting hurt. They had to put him yeah, on yeah, he the injury played, report. He couldn't have played the whole season, but Sean Hill was twice as good of a quarterback as either one of these backups. All right, okay. Yeah. So you think that you that will get written, Sean Hill. Sean Hill won a lot of so, games. So you think we're going to get, the if Cousins get gets hurt and Mannion has to play, here's why it's going to work out, or here's why it could be okay. I, yeah, that's right. I think that it's okay. going to be a daily thing of, oh, Sloter made some throws today. Mannion made some throws today. <laughs> and like, you know what? If you lose, I'm going to paraphrase a coach here. I mean, if you lose Kirk Cousins, you are bleeped, and I don't write about being bleeped. Okay? <laughs> All right. So that's what I'm not that's writing six, about. That's my six-pack of questions, right, thank which you, was Jeff. sponsored, but it's uh, a six-pack. Rami is coming up next, and we're going to do hot routes. No hot routes for you today, Judd. And, this uh, is like twice in a row. I've yeah, been sorry. Why am I being next? You've been slighted. I love hot and routes. And supposedly at 315, Adam Schefter is going to be calling in. So we'll see. Yeah. I hope. If this he's was not supposed too, to happen last week. If he's didn't. not too busy for So yeah. it's one of those things that I don't want to overly pump up. It could up, be breaking news. Training camp started. I think that Seth, our social media guy, has made a huge graphic. 
This holiday, whether you're making a Fred Meyer Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Fred Meyer has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup, so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone.